Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Holistic Hippie Podcast. Um, this is kind of an exciting episode for me because I don't usually have guests on my show, and um, I'm really feeling called more lately to collaboration and community and you know, just kind of linking arms with people that maybe have more knowledge about certain things that I dabble in on the side. And I know that a lot of you have been asking for more about microdosing. And that's something that I've been posting a lot about on social media. And so right away, my first instinct was to talk to my friend, Jen. And um, I'm going to introduce Jen really based on kind of how I met her, because Jen's actually She's kind of been like a token person um, in the really early inceptions of me discovering the use of medicinal plants. When I met Jen, um, she owned a really awesome juice and smoothie bar, organic cold pressed juice right in downtown Calgary. And um, I was a frequent flyer at her smoothie bar, juice bar. I mean, there were so many things going on there. And at the time that I met Jen, I was studying holistic nutrition. And so obviously like all of the things that she had going on in her space, like just, just drew me in. And Jen is somebody who has kind of like messed with plants before they were cool before they were trendy and so she sort of has like an OG um, wisdom in working with a lot of these plants and really just like for nutrition yes but also for spiritual enhancement and that's kind of the cool thing that plant as allies offer us is the um, opportunity to not only just like nourish and sustain ourselves from a cellular level but when we're talking about the cells as being conscious and alive we're talking about like our innate consciousness intertwining with plant consciousness and uh, there's so much there so when I met Jen I mean she was she was the girl that for her birthday party would have a holotropic breathwork ceremony with um, let's say like a hape ceremony and maybe like a chakra activation meditation high vibrational snacks and foods like this is this is Jen she introduced me to ayahuasca um, she introduced me to hape she introduced me to holotropic breathwork um, and all of these things are a very big part of my life now which is really cool so I want to introduce Jen first and foremost as just like a, a a woman of all trades. I mean, this girl dabbles in so many different things. And I want to give you some space to kind of share about like what you are doing in your life now. I mean, it's been maybe seven or six or seven years since I lived in Calgary. So it's been a, a long time. Uh, welcome to the show, Jen. Thank you so much for having me. It's so awesome to be back in this space or to be in the space for the first time with you um, throughout our journey together over the past. Like, yeah, it's been like eight years or so. And uh, quite the transformation and the alchemy that we've both kind of gone through on our path. No um, that was quite the introduction. I'm like blushing <laughs> over here. <laughs> um, it's cool. It's cool to, you know, like see where I didn't know how important that little blip in time was. Um, but wow, like so many doors that it's opened for me internally that have now manifested. I mean, like I host monthly breathwork ceremonies in my space, which is like not even something that was on the radar at that time. And uh, you've evolved in a million different ways. Um, you know, so some of the things, I mean, Jen is someone who every teacher training, I, I host my yoga teacher trainings and I have a signature mala made for my group um, every year now. It's been, I think, two years in a row. And um, so Jen also is like a metal Smith, is that the right word? 
Yeah. Metalsmith is my like pastime hobby. <laughs> I love it, but you're so friggin' good at it. So like a lot of my jewels and medallions have come from Jen. She's a hobby. I don't know how she has time because she's also raising a little girl named Aura, which has the most awesome name ever. Um, <laughs> what else do you do? You do so many things. So I wanted to give you a chance to kind of like introduce us and tell us about you. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm just so inspired by life and I just want to explore everything. And I think it's like, it's a divine compulsion of mine to try to master everything that I'm interested in and stepping into. Um, yeah, it's super interesting even just to talk about like the metal smithing. That was such a catalyst point in my life. Um, after I had Wild and Raw, you know, we were maybe a little bit ahead of our time with uh, the elixirs and the superfoods and the juicing and stuff in Calgary. Um, so after we closed, I was forced to go get a, a big girl job. Um, so I worked in management and wellness for a little while. Um, at a retail shop and I decided after two years I was like no I need to work for myself like this is I've got to answer that call and uh, a month before the COVID lockdowns I decided I would get into metal smithing and jewelry and launch myself fully into that business because uh, I was just craving more hands-on artistry and more uh, you know community collaboration and just more creative authority in that way so I, uh, I quit my job in management, a secure job, and I bought a brand new car. I drove out to Victoria, bought out a friend's business, came home, set up my shop, launched my business. And then two weeks later, the world shut down. <laughs> oh my God, the timing. <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty interesting catalyst for me on my journey. So it was kind of cool because I was able to spend a lot of that like isolation time, you know, um, in my meditative practice of, of silver alchemy and metal alchemy. Um, but it just wasn't enough for me. And, you know, I've been teaching a variety of ceremonies and a variety of, uh, work with plant medicine allies for 12 years. And I wasn't really able to do that over the COVID time. So, um, as soon as I was kind of able to bust out of that isolation for a little bit, I felt very, very called to step back into leadership and step back into community and holding space for people. And that led me right back into working with uh, where I'm at now, psychedelics, which has opened up <laughs> quite the portal for me in my world. So, um, so yeah, uh, metalsmithing has become a bit of a side hobby for me at the time when I need to meditate or just get some energy out. But um, yeah, all my focus right now is on psychedelics. Um, I'm a microdose coach. I am a, a visionary and an ambassador for a a uh, new microdosing company that's been around in Canada for almost a year and uh, very growing very rapidly, working with amazing ambassadors like yourself. And um, I've just launched my own facilitatorship uh, and mentorship program in um, psychedelic ceremony facilitatorship as well. So yeah, lots, lots going on. I'm excited to dive so into much. it all. So much. What, so because there are still, and I think this, the stigmas are changing a lot. Um, and I think that it's definitely worth unpacking when we start talking about like psychedelic therapy, like what even is that? How does one go about, um, you know, because I think the stigma that people have in their minds, I remember talking to my mom, um, who is so like the least likely person, like very um, wholesome and religious and 
you know, she was asking me like, well, how do you, like, how have you been able to manage your depression and anxiety? I'm like, mom, I do things that you're not even willing to try. She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, one of, one of them is microdosing psilocybin mushrooms. And she's just like, you know, she was at a point where she was almost feeling desperate enough to try anything. Um, and then she kind of got nervous and, and pulled back. And the stigma I think is more of what holds her back versus saying like, you know, why can't I look at this next to my pharmaceuticals and say, well, I tried this. Now I'm going to put this aside and I'm going to try that. Um, you know, how does one kind of cross over into that space of understanding that this is medicine? Yeah, we are very much in this interesting paradigm shift right now. And a lot of people are getting curious, you know, there's tons of podcasts coming out and news articles, you know, mainstream media is talking about psychedelic therapy. And, you know, there's little bits of legalization and decriminalization popping up um, in areas in the States. And, you know, it's happening a little bit in Canada, too, and Australia. So it's definitely a conversation that's coming to the mainstream. And, you know, uh, like two, two years ago, five years ago, definitely 10 years ago, if you were telling people that you were holding, you know, psilocybin spaces, or you were microdosing, it was very much an underground movement, it was very much, you know, kind of hush hush. And, you know, it was popular for sure, but um, you know, only for those who were in the know. And now you can like, go and say something to your dad and he's definitely heard about microdosing psilocybin or, you know, it's, it's a, the, the conversation around it is becoming destigmatized, but there's definitely still that shift for people to know how to properly use it and to know how to properly access it. And, you know, it's a new frontier for a lot of people and there's definitely some fear around it. For sure. And I think it is like, it's so important to talk about, um, you know, as we start breaking into these spaces, there are, you know, when things are emergent as they are right now, there are pros and cons. We want to see these things emerge, but then we also see like some shady things going on. And so, you know, I would love for people that are curious to, you know, maybe understand like what to look for in terms of how do you know, like, cause I don't know about you, but I get constantly every week, like some new, like, um, at mushroom dude on Instagram, you know what I mean? Like, and yeah. I'm like, Oh, like, who are you? What do you want? You know, but there's all sorts of people like random. I don't know like what you're doing and if you're growing these in your basement or like what the deal is, um, you know, how do we, what's something that we could look for, um, to, to really know that we can trust the efficacy and the quality. Yeah, hundred percent. I am very excited to unpack this with you. <laughs> so there's, there's two areas I want to talk about. Um, of course we live in a dualistic world, right? Pros and cons to everything. The internet came out, lots of pros to that, lots of cons to that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So we've got a dark and a light side and, um, there's definitely some beautiful pros and cons to the opportunity of this coming towards legalization and regulation. Um, and there's some negative sides towards that as well. And same with what's available on the market, you know, um, it's really interesting in Canada right now. And I know they're taking their time with it because they legalized cannabis too fast and didn't have enough time to do all the clinical studies that they wanted to do. And as soon as it became recreational, that kind of just got swept under the rug. Um, so I know there's still a lot of clinical trials going on in Canada, which is great. Um, so they're taking their time with it and, you know, the entrepreneurs and <laughs> the people that are interested in this are going to continue to just keep pushing the envelope um, but the thing that's a little bit of a risk, I think, uh, moving towards like regulation is that, 
you know, they're going to want to have synthesized psilocybin. Big Pharma is going to want to have a hand in it. They're going to want to be able to patent a molecule and make a lot of money off of it. You know, moving towards legalization is going to be money motivated for, you know, the the yeah, the big change makers up there. And so I think it's super, super important that um, during the psychedelic renaissance, if you will, that there's a bridge between people who are experienced in this type of work who have already navigated the pathway to support and work with the people who are now coming in from the regulatory or the clinical side of things. Uh, we need to work together. And my my fear uh, around the regulatory side of things is that, you know, you're going to have all these therapists, these psychologists, the ones who are able to get a legal permit, um, but it's going to be inaccessible for most people to access this. You're going to be paying two to five thousand dollars to sit with like a 0.5 gram dose in a clinical setting in their fuzzy blanket theory <laughs> so that's um that's a bit of an issue um you know there's positive movement towards that it's building awareness for other people who are you know doing the work and who have a lot of experience behind them that can hold safe and more expansive space um but i see accessibility being a bit of an issue especially in canada and um yeah we're at this interesting point right now where the government is giving out permission slips basically to people who are more in like end of life palliative care um, to go and get access to doing a journey with psilocybin, but there's nowhere to access it. So they're basically just saying, yes, you can have permission to do it, but hit the black market um, to go and find your psilocybin. So why would you even apply for a permit? Um, so on the other side of that, we've got this, you know, bunch of people jumping in on the gold rush and the bandwagon, launching microdosing companies, selling mushrooms online. Um, <clears throat> there's a lot of that going on. And then, yeah, it leaves the question in the mind for the consumer or for the person, the participant who wants to experience these journeys to, you know, make sure they're getting safe support to make sure that, you know, they're being screened properly to make sure that they have access to safe medicine. And that um, is definitely a concern. So, um, you know, with the company that I'm working with, uh, Zoom Garden, they make sure to test all their products. So every product batch is lab tested before it's approved for consumers. And, you know, we, they, um, they work with like one supplier and there's like a lot of vertical integration there as well. Um, but yeah, we're still in the space where the consumer needs to get some education and um, have a little bit of handholding because there are contraindications and psilocybin is quite safe. But, you know, perhaps for somebody who is facing depression on a super high dose of SSRIs, pharmaceutical grade yes. for 30 years, and they right. go and take a dose of mushrooms, they're going to have a serotonin crisis. Mm. So there's not a lot of information about that for these providers that are offering the medicine right now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there needs to be a bit of a merge between the clinical and the regulated world and those that are experienced with growing and sharing the experience as well. So yeah, it doesn't cease to amaze me. Like I, I didn't realize because maybe I've just been lucky in my, in my journey. I mean, I was so stoked on finding zoom garden just because 
of the quality. And then not only that, like having access to medicinal mushrooms like turkey tail and chaga and, you know, lion's mane and things of that nature that are nootropic in general, like good for the mind, period. Um, but when I talk to some of my friends who are like, oh, yeah, like I've heard of microdosing, like I just take a little bit of my supply. And I'm like, what? I'm like, no, mine are like in capsules, like they're all measured for me. I don't mess around. I've got different doses for different things. But there are still some people that are like, what? Like in a capsule? I'm like, yeah, it's in my like in my medicine cabinet. Like, you know, that's that's how I incorporate it. So it, it's still kind of one of those things that maybe people are trying to do on their own, but not really having the education or the know-how. And even just recently, I had a friend asking me about SSRIs and uh, I was like, you know what? I don't know. Like I would have to dig deep into that because there is a potential that it could weaken your medication in which case, like you need to be prepared for that. You know, um, one of the things that I find being somebody who has experienced a lot of anxiety is that some of my doses that are maybe a little bit on the higher of a microdose, um, I have to push through a bit of anxiety. And so knowing that that's a potential is really helpful um, because the first time that it ever happened to me because of, you know, whatever company I was using before, and having no idea, like, oh, my God, it's creating an anxiety attack. And when I pushed through, it was, oh, oh yeah, I'm good. I'm good, you know. Um, but, yeah, like that education piece is tricky. And I think that's one of the things that's really cool with Zoom Garden is that you guys offer coaching, right? Yeah, like, yeah. So tell me how that works. Yeah. So a couple of things I want to break down here. I get so excited about this. I can I know, I saw you nodding out about it all day. <laughs> Um, yeah, so Zoom Garden is definitely, I think, one of the only companies that offers uh, consulting. So they offer free consultations. And that is um, part of my role to support their their journey and their mission. Um, I offer the free consultations for microdosing clients just to help screen them to help uh, connect with where they're at on their path and their intentions around it. And then, you know, to find out <laughs> if they're on any medications, if it's their yeah. first time. Uh, because people do need a bit of handholding and they need to feel seen and they need to feel safe. Um, that's something that I learned a lot. Like what I did a, I did a couple of festivals in the summer uh, talking about microdosing and macrodosing. And um, I learned that every single woman, they were woman based festivals. Um, every single woman that I talked to had a different experience, a different question, a different fear, a different intention, a different reason to coming towards plant medicine. And it's definitely not a one size fits all solution. It's not a, it's not a pharma pharmaceutical type of application. It's not take this pill, you'll have this effect, you know? So it is a journey for people that requires a bit of um, practice, play, patience, you know, um, permission and presence. And those are kind of like my five P's. I love that so much. Say it again. Practice. Yeah. Practice, patience, play, permission, and presence. Beautiful. I love that. So those are some of the key ingredients that you need to start that journey and building that communication and relationship with psychedelics. And it's, it's a, it's a bit of a paradigm shift again from working with pharmaceuticals. And of course, no shade on pharmaceuticals. Um, they have a place and they have a role for wellness. Um, but it, they, people can't expect to replace their pharmaceuticals with, uh, microdosing. Yes, they can shift over and use microdosing to support them with the symptoms that they're feeling or they're struggling with, but it requires a 
bit of a breakthrough, like you've mentioned, versus pharmaceuticals help you cope. They help you to manage. They help you to get through your day-to-day without, you know, jumping off a rooftop or like not being able to get out of bed, Yeah. right? So they do help in pretty extreme cases. But the issue with pharmaceuticals is that, you know, especially with antidepressants, the intention is that you're supposed to take them for short term and then get off of them. But what happens is people are taking them and it's numbing out their issues, their symptoms, the things that are coming into their awareness to to deal with and heal. And right. so there's no space really for long-term healing there. There's no space mm-hmm. for elevating your vibration in that way. It's just to help you manage. And um, when you're working with microdosing and you're building that communication and that relationship with plant medicine, um, sometimes when you get if you're working with it for anxiety or depression, those things that are deeply rooted that you've been pushing down and not wanting to face and deal with are going to come up into your sphere. And, you know, you can start really slow. You can start with a low dose and begin to just peel back the layers a little bit and approach these, you know, limiting beliefs or these consistent patterns of thinking and behavior and start to gently rewire and recalibrate and redirect yourself in a way of healing. Um, And so, people need to realize that they're not just going to take one capsule and it's going to cure their depression. That's not really how it works. And, you know, again, everyone's body is different. Some people may take one for, you know, for example, for ADHD and be like, wow, this is giving me exactly what I need from my pharmaceuticals. I can swap over. Um, And some people are going to need to take a lot of time and, and really be open and willing and give themselves that permission to dive into that work. Um, Yeah. And of course, like working on a more macro basis with mushrooms, um, they can really expedite and really blast open the work that needs to be done. But depending what people are dealing with and where they're coming from, you know, microdosing is a great way to start um, understanding that embodiment and understanding that that sovereign approach of healing. I love that. And I love the idea this idea of presence, because that's often something that people don't feel when they are using um, certain types of pharmaceuticals and certain doses. And again, not to, you know, bash pharmaceuticals, because there, of course, is a place it also depends on why you're experiencing depression. So it took me years of getting you know, proper blood work done to understand that I was working with an autoimmune disease and that the depression and the anxiety that I was experiencing were actually symptoms of that. They weren't the root cause. If depression is the root cause, which maybe is a chemical imbalance in the brain and, um, you know, a, a depletion of your serotonin and some other factors, that's, that's different. And there are so many different expressions and things like anxiety are really on the rise. And I think that we're going to start to see things like PTSD from what everyone has gone through collectively over the last three years. Right. And so, you know, I think it's, it's interesting when I first um, was exposed to ayahuasca with you, um, I was really dealing with a burnout. I hadn't even been diagnosed yet, but my adrenal glands were like flat. Um, And so I was on injections and a bunch of other things really uh, shortly after that experience. But my initial experience was so beautiful and I was so held and it was such a, a beautiful experience that in that moment, I thought everybody needs to do this. Everybody needs to do this. And then I have had subsequent, um, when I was in a place where I wasn't so down, like I was, you know, in a better state of being that my experiences have gotten more challenging. And then I realized, well, wait a second, maybe this isn't what everybody needs. Um, Maybe there is a variety of things in nature that could support us at different levels of our experience. Um, So I love this idea of 
microdosing. I mean, it's something, it's so interesting because for a long time, my sister, who also was recently diagnosed with autoimmunity, who has been dealing with debilitating anxiety and depression, used to ask me all the time, same as my mom, well, how did you deal with it? I'm like, I did things that you weren't willing to try, you know? And so I was, I was telling her about microdosing with psilocybin and she was like, oh, like whatever, that's just an excuse for you to do drugs. I'm like, it's not like, I'm not getting high. You don't understand. Like I am like, I am feeling internally supported so that I can do basic things like wash my face and brush my teeth and, and be a human being in the world, which sometimes feels too hard, you know? And I think about three years later, she was like, you're never going to believe this. I found a psychologist who is referring. I'm like, yes, I know. I know. I told <laughs> you this, you know? So I think it's really cool that we have professionals that are mixing modalities now. Um, and I'm sort of curious too, like for you, because I think our generation grew up like, you know, really enjoying magic mushrooms in a, in a very um, casual sort of a recreational way. Um, when when did you cross over into experiencing more of a ceremony around these types of medicines? Totally. That's a great question. Um, and I'm just going to, I'm going to start from a different angle here and then backtrack to that question. But a lot of the, uh, some of the curiosities and questions I get from my clients that are curious about microdosing and just sort of hearing this now through the mainstream, I get a lot of like doctors and dentists and, you know, people that are 15, 20 years older than me that didn't really have that much of a psychedelic influence when they were younger. Um, they come and they're like, you know, I'm brand new to this. I've never smoked pot. I've never done drugs. Like I'm kind of scared. And I'm like, that's the best place to start, honestly, because so many people um, have explored psychedelics from a recreational place. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm going to chat about that in a second. But I honestly think that people who come to work with microdosing and come to psychedelic healing with that intention later in life um, with a blank slate is like such a great place to start. Um, doesn't mean that they're not going to have challenging times. But um, yeah, it's it's just such a difference when you have people who have like played around recreationally and have tried a bunch of things. And there's a lot of healing in that. There's a lot of healing that you can experience from having a psychedelic um, transformational experience on the dance floor. Uh, wow. But I love working with people who come to it from a totally fresh space. Um, for me, you know, I, I definitely started playing in the pool of psychedelics when I was like 18, 19. Um, and it just never really worked out for me to be a recreational experience and I didn't understand that at that time I was pretty young that every time I would take a psychedelic with the intention of just being unhinged or being escapism like d diving into escapism or getting out of my body that I would be so present in my body and that I would be like listening to these teachers these listening to these medicine teachers of like you need to go sit down and like tap into your parasympathetic nervous system you need to sit down and like you've got all this like lineage stuff coming through right now and wow. um it was really challenging for me to like go to a go to a huge festival and try to have this transformational experience when I could see you know all, all my other friends had no problem taking a bunch of LSD or mushrooms and just having a super fun wild time and I felt really self-conscious um, in that space because it was it just really amplified my internal experience I couldn't let go in that way um, I needed to go and sit by myself and be in conversation with those plant teachers um, so I didn't really start learning that uh, it was used for ceremony or a ceremonious intention until I started my journey in, into ayahuasca um, 
which was a pretty profound chapter of my life. And yeah, I worked with ayahuasca for about four or five years um, and then was redirected towards psilocybin. And I was very much interested in like pursuing the path of apprenticeship down the ayahuasca path. Um, you know, some pretty amazing things happened to me in that space for my own healing. Um, you know, I found out I was pregnant with my daughter by conversing with ayahuasca and that was pretty wild, a very wild experience. Um, you know, I experienced multiple deaths and multiple realities in that space and that just opened up, it closed a lot of chapters for me and it opened up a lot of, um, portals and potential. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I decided to work with mushrooms because, they're universally available. You can grow them anywhere. They're pretty sustainable. You know, they've been around in nature for a long time. We share, we shared DNA with mushrooms, you know? Yeah. So I, um, I always knew I wanted to work alongside a plant ally, uh, when I started working with this space and I thought it was ayahuasca, but, um, I'm very much more aligned within my own ethical guideposts to be working with mushrooms. And that's just been a big, a big yes. And a big permission piece for me over the past couple of years to dive deeper into that work. I love that. And I mean, for anyone that hasn't worked with, you know, this, and sometimes like, I'm just like, oh, it can, it can seem so bizarre, but I mean, like we're, we're having this conversation because of the healing that has been possible through a lot of these plant teachers, which, um, you know, ayahuasca was definitely a big one for me as well. And, um, things are shifting and I'm being called in other directions too. And so it's interesting to see how that, how that works. Um, but when, so, you know, because I think one of the things that I love about psilocybin is that they really bring you into your body. They really bring you into a deep, intimate, connected state with your, um, yeah, your, your Anamaya Kosha, your food body, you know, the Mm -hmm. part of you that is the densest part of your reality, the part of you that is literally dying and being reborn all the time. Um, And the part of you that is fading, I mean, and so it's almost like this really unique opportunity to experience your humanity, while also introducing yourself to the part of you that depending on your belief system is actually eternal. Um, And so what kinds of things do you see come up for people when you're holding space for more of a macro dose experience? That was a really beautiful way of putting it. I really like your perspective on how you embody and experience mushrooms there. I I got this like vision of, uh, yeah, I love that. I got this vision of like the mycelium networks that connect all the trees and, you know, they work in the dark, they work in this like, um, you know, uh, decomposing way to bring light and connection and electricity to living beings. So I really liked that analogy there. Um, uh, what are some of the experiences that I've had for holding space for people? Yeah. yeah what, people go uh... through? Like, what do you expect if you were to come to, you know, and what, what doses are there? How do you approach navigating and holding space for people like that? Yeah, definitely. It's been a pretty interesting ride um, so far. I mean, I've done, I've done three courses and training, uh, two based pretty deeply on mentorship around being a, a specific psilocybin uh, facilitator. And then I've done a more clinical certified course around psychedelic assisted therapy, which to be honest, I didn't really get much out of that course. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so, okay. 
yeah, it's uh, just me furthering the path and my belief of like, we need people on the ground that are tapped into this from the underground and have a ton of experience. Um, because the clinical side is interesting. You can read all the scientific reports all day long, but if you haven't navigated the path, then what are you really doing in that space? Right. We need an integrated approach for someone. I 100%. love the idea of the, of you know, <laughs> and it's just the nature of how things go. Like a lot of these, these medicines, whether it is like just whole foods or, you know, plant allies of that nature of a more spiritual nature, these things have been around for thousands and thousands of years and there is an <laughs> intelligence that science was never needed because the proof was in the experience and now we have shifted and I respect the science that's coming out now but it's also it's like we're waiting for science to validate what we already know and so when you have people that are on the ground that are like well hold on a second I know you know the clinical side of things and what medications people are on and like that's all super important but it's again it's like there's such a difference between like let's say um, book learning and like field learning. Like, are you learning about things from this like outsider perspective or have you gotten inside? Um, and that's one of the things I've got a friend who's a psychotherapist and she was very curious about ayahuasca. And she's like, well, can you refer me to your shaman? Because I can't refer my clients unless I have an experience. And I'm like, yes, mm. that's the only way that it should be. And I'm so grateful that you're willing to do that for your clients. What a self, what a, what a sacrifice for her to make you know, um, in order to understand and unlock things that might be potential for her clients, but knowing that she needs to be inside of it before she can speak to it. hundred percent. Yeah. You, I mean, it, it, even without, um, plant medicine, like, you know, in just in relationship and interpersonally and in whatever work and field you're doing, you can only go as deep with people as you've experienced yourself. You know, you yes. can't fake it. You can't, you can't know yourself there by thinking or have reading about it. You have, you have to embody, this work, you have to embody this wisdom to be able to relate and to speak and connect from that space. And that's why it's Absolutely. so important to, especially with psychedelics, to have been able to have gone in and explored and done your work there. Um, something interesting too, that I've been kind of thinking, and I'll, I'll answer your original question here with this, but you know, a lot of the people who are coming into the space of working with psychedelics, and especially a lot of the people that I work with on a macro and micro level, um, you know, the majority of people that come into the space have the curiosity around exploring healing. They come in, a lot of people have depression, anxiety, um, you know, they're feeling stuck, they don't have connection with purpose, uh, whatever they're doing isn't working for them. And so people are coming mostly for healing. But you don't need to just come to work with psychedelics always for healing. We don't always have to be healing. You know, we can explore and do a level of healing and then we need to integrate that. And that may be a couple of months, that may be a couple of years. Um, you know, we don't always have to be trapped in the cycle of like, I need to heal. I need to heal. I'm broken. There's something wrong with me. And, you know, so sometimes, sometimes we do need to address that, those roots of healing. And then sometimes we can approach this medicine and this work with a sense of curiosity. Uh, you know, we need more people coming into it like sorcerers and, explorers that are coming in to go out who have done their healing work or could put some of their healing work to rest and come into the space to go and explore pockets of wisdom and you know gems within collective consciousness to bring that back to our our collective because you know we've got a lot of healing work to do here for sure but there's a lot of amazing um hidden mystery out there that we're also feeling called back to that has been lost from us 
you know, lost through us from our, our culture and colonization and yeah. by loss of connection with our ancestry and our elders and all of this. So uh, people are seeking healing and some of that's a symptom because they're con- disconnected and some people are seeking this reconnection to something they know that's so beyond themselves as well, you know? Absolutely. Um, I don't really know where that came from, but I, I love <laughs> like it. Character. No, I think it's, it's so, it's so potent because um, even just to speak to, I mean, we, we live predominantly in a, a dualistic world. Um, most of the Western world is of that nature. And there's so much talk about non-dualism, like we are one. Um, but we haven't really fully embodied that. I think we're trying. And I think that in the dualistic world, we are broken. And you know, it's interesting because it's like what I find every time that I encounter a plant ally is that it's bringing me back to the places in me that are never broken and have never been broken and the places that I've never actually even left. And here they are residing within me as me. And all I need to do is tap into that awareness and realize that there's nothing wrong, that this is all unfolding exactly as it should be. And that life itself is the greatest trip of all. (laughs) But this idea of like, you know, constant healing, um, you know, the girl that held space for me on the weekend, I did, um, a bit of like a mushroom embodiment, um, you know, it was kind of like a, a dance slash embodiment workshop. And one of the statements that she said is like, healing can be fun. And it just kind of struck me because I was like, yeah, you know what? Like, that's such a good point because so much it's like, you know, there's, it seems to have this like density to it. And, you know, some people, when I first met my husband, it was like trying to figure out, okay, where's your childhood trauma? Where's your wounds? Like, what do you mean you had a healthy upbringing? Everybody's broken. Like, what? show me your wounds, you know? And <laughs> And like, that's not necessarily the case. I don't think that everybody feels that sense of brokenness, but I do think that we feel the, the void, the absence of interconnectedness, and that it's possible that being born into a perceivably separate sense of self is the first trauma, you know, where we are disconnected from the all, from the one, from this state of interconnectedness and plunged into these separate, these separate experiences, um, but yeah, I think that's I think that's a really great point that we need almost like pilgrims and adventurers and explorers who can go out and say, okay, there is uncharted territory, untapped potential. Like, let's map this out. Because if you've never been somewhere, you want to really take advice from someone that has been there before. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, I love the way you articulate things. I'm like, this is so interesting. Just listening to your perspective. <laughs> I'm sure we could talk all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah, it's so interesting. Like, I really think that psychedelics, especially at a macro level, when you're ready for them, and you're open to seeing, they really expedite getting you out of your own way, right? So when we're, we're stuck so much in the externalization and in everyone else's schedule and the separation from self, and we feel that we feel that connection, but we're so distracted from it, you know, and um, you can spend a lot of time doing all sorts of therapies to try to find that catalyst back to yourself. But sometimes you just sit with a large dose of psychedelics, it doesn't even have to be a super large dose, but a more macro dose of psychedelics, it just clears away all these like fragmented senses of self. And yeah, it just brings you right back home, right? But sometimes, sometimes there's some fragments that, uh, illuminate different aspects of self that we need to explore and understand and accept and then integrate. And of course, integration is, is key. Integration is not optional when we're working with psychedelics. Yes. And I Uh, think that's sometimes what you can see, you know, I'm so picky about who I trust with everything because I have 
trusted the wrong people many times before. And mm-hmm. so, and I shouldn't say wrong because they were important people on my catalyst of discernment. So thank you to all of the bamboozlers and the schmucks, you know, that have <laughs> forced me to become more discerning and more sovereign, super grateful for it. But Um, You know, I do see this layer of, let's say, let's call it spiritual ego, where you have a bunch of people who are now, quote unquote, like enlightened, like they they are learning these things, they're doing the work, but they have mistaken their spiritual ego. Um, they, They don't even realize that there's ego there. And then I see people who are getting together and they're like working with these plants in a in still a very recreational way. Um, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, no judgment, you do you, but sort of like missing these opportunities for integration and missing these opportunities that it's like it could take you the rest of your life to work through one small fragment of a revelation that you received in a ceremony. Um, And yeah, we really want to honor and hold space for that versus like, oh, I'm not fixed yet. I guess I'm going to go for another ceremony, you know, like that's not, that's not the, that's not what that stake here I like that like with your five p's even just play you know play and presence as these two things that you know really brings us into our own experience um but when it comes to like let's say we're we're traveling on the microdosing path at what point in time would you consider it a macro dose like what what is the dose that would sort of start us off at a macro dose yeah um yeah I just, uh, when you were talking about like not always taking more, I just remember this, uh, there's this meme that I love that I think just nails it on the head for the spiritual ego and those that are seeking uh, medicine all the time. It's like, oh, time for another ceremony. I need more, I need more wisdom. And it's like his shadow is behind him. It's like, integrate me, bro. Like, yes, I've seen that. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I've seen, seen many, many people. Well, I've seen a handful of people that, you know, they go to seek um themselves in ayahuasca and in you know different psychedelic spaces because they feel like a part of themselves is inaccessible or it's missing in their daily life and it's well you didn't integrate you need to integrate that right if you're seeking if you've done 300 ayahuasca ceremonies and you still don't know what your purpose is in that space you need to do some serious reflection and integration yeah uh because that can be pretty harmful (laughs) for sure Um, absolutely but yeah, like getting to a, a macrodose space, you know, it's really, it's really about your, your intention, your set and your setting as well. Um, you know, and it, it depends, it's really different for everybody. Like I would say a lot of my clients or some people who come to me that are interested in doing psychedelic space um, or being in a psychedelic, sorry, <laughs> I have too, too many thoughts running through my head right I now. I know, I, I get that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so there are definitely people who come and are interested in doing ceremony with me and I have a pretty thorough screening and intake process and I'm always, you know, improving that the deeper I get into this work and the deeper and larger the field gets of experiences that people are having in my space, um, the more thorough and uh, committed I want to be to making sure that people are really prepared for that type of experience because there are a lot of people curious right now. Um, so I've had people come to me and be ready for a ceremony. And after going through a consultation screening process, even like leading up to the day of ceremony, um, I have definitely turned some people away and redirected them towards, um, either referring out to other people in my community that who can support them, somatic, uh, trauma therapy, um, different modalities like that. But, um, amazing. I love hearing people, that. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes people need to spend some time 
sitting with their intentions, uh, clearing out their mindset and being in a, in a better setting for experiencing these types of medicines. So, um, you know, microdosing can be a great way to start to build that connection if you're new or if you've got a lot of stuff that you're working through that you want to take some time to really clear out and tap into your intentions and do some reflection before you prepare yourself for that space. Um, yeah. 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 The ability to surrender becomes crucial. Surrender is key. Surrender, I think is the biggest thing that gets people tripped up in ceremony. For sure. Um, yeah, I've had all types of experiences in ceremony and, you know, it's part of my ethics not to, to share people's experience outside of that space. I love it. Um, but I can give like, you know, general themes of kind of what goes on in that space. And I honestly think that one of the biggest things that is a challenge for people in that space, they hit a point where they are unable to surrender. And that's the biggest thing that trips people up in psychedelic space. Um, So there needs to be a lot of preparation done for the nervous system, for intentions, you know, uh, many different things before they come into a ceremony space so that they are able to be honest with themselves and they're okay to be humbled and they're okay to surrender and tap into that flow. It'll be much easier. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And what are they surrendering to? (laughs) (laughs) That's a loaded question. (laughs) I guess it depends on what comes up. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's surrender in your daily life is also, I mean, if, if you're not able to surrender in plant medicine, you probably aren't surrendering in life either you know, to the things that come up. Yeah. Yeah. You see that. And then those, those become thought loops or those become themes for that person where they're now seeing like, oh, like I'm a people pleaser and I can't, you know, surrender to my own like boundaries and my own permission or yeah, it's, I think it's a pretty uh, individual thing that they need to surrender to, but you know, the breath can definitely help get you there. Sometimes just a big inhale and exhale or a drink of water is that permission and invitation to surrender um but yeah you've got to have people who are willing to be flexible in the mind um because it can be challenging sometimes to navigate yeah yeah sure and so like we're, when you are like working with people in a it's a group setting often for a yeah. macro ceremony um mm-hmm. and are you individualizing the dosage based on intention based on experience based on all of these other factors yeah yeah so you know there's many different ways to approach ceremony when we're working with psychedelics it's not or sorry when we're working with psilocybin it's not you know specific on a certain lineage or specific on a uh, certain type of shaman to be present i would never call myself a shaman in this space um but i am a like a psychedelic facilitator um so my my way of working ceremony and it's evolving over time i've got a really beautiful team of you know, vertically integrated space holders coming together to amplify our potential in this community space. Um, But my overarching theme of ceremony space is really uh, the invitation for people to be present and journey one-on-one with the mushrooms. So yes, we are coming together in a group ceremony space, usually intimate. Um, I do take my due diligence to make sure that there's identity matching um, and that people that are coming into space are meant to be there because they are obviously all contributing to the blueprint and the energetics of the journey. Yes. Um, I think you, I think the ayahuasca ceremony that you were in 
was the one that we did have someone was having a challenging time. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. Like yeah. she was struggling and it was really, you know, at the end of her experience, I mean, she, I just remember her laughing and being like, sorry guys, you know, <laughs> she, I'm not coming back tomorrow. Don't worry. You know, but um, yeah, she wasn't able to surrender and it was intense. And she, she had a, meanwhile, I was in bliss. I was happy to just hold space for her. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can get that. And that could have created a ripple effect throughout the rest of the group how do you even know I mean what kind of vetting would you have to do you know like that's that's intense yeah 100% I mean you you've experienced it yourself just how like the blueprint of the group can really affect the trajectory of the experience right if you're waiting for someone to surrender if you're waiting for someone to kick off and launch into that space of the journey we're all kind of holding our breath and you know holding space and love and sending love, but a lot of the energy goes towards that individual that needs a breakthrough. Um, even with the shamans that we had present, they were specifically working on that person where we were all kind of just holding space. Yeah. Right. And sure. so that does, that does cross over into psilocybin uh, a little bit in, in a similar way, um, which is why I'm pretty intentional with who I put together in ceremony. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Oh, what was I going to say? <laughs> Yeah, in the in the mushroom ceremony space, like um, we spend a lot of time deep diving into intake. We do a lot of screening. Uh, we do consultation. So I spend you know about an hour talking with each individual person, even if they come as couples. I really like to connect with each individual person to be like, you know, do you have stuff that's going to come up? Do you have, um, you know, are you holding on to shame or guilt or any other things that may come up and affect your relationship in your space while you're, you know, sitting beside your loved one or your partner in that space. Um, that's super important because you never know what's going to come up for people. And it could be an opportunity to heal or to break through trauma or to have a really beautiful experience. But if you're not handling it properly, there is also yeah. the risk of re-traumatizing or inflicting trauma onto people. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a really interesting process. So when, when you're in my ceremony, uh, we spend the first two hours um, working on uh, regulating the nervous system, tapping into the parasympathetic nervous system, using different modalities with breath work, um, you know, group sharing, um, hands-on healing, massage, some somatic work, cool. um, deep intention setting. And I just really try to do our best in that space with the resources and the people we have to allow people to be as honest and open and present as possible. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as a facilitator, you can do as much as you possibly can to give that pillar of sovereignty to people to show up in the way that you need them to show up. But you never really know until you get into ceremony, if people <laughs> have been as honest and open with themselves as you need them to be. Yeah. Um. So in ceremony space, the overarching intention is really that people have this invitation to drop in and, you know, blindfolds on they're in their, they're in their space. Uh, it's a really cozy experience and yes, you're shared experience with everybody else in there, but it's quiet and um, it's a conversation between them and their journey and their, so their ancestry and their mushrooms. And um, we facilitate with music. So I'm a song keeper. I have traditional songs. And a DJ. Um, I mean, I don't know if you still do that anymore. <laughs> this is another thing we missed. <laughs> oh, I sold my DJ equipment. I was oh, like, I can't, I can't yeah. be at all. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, eh? Um, but yeah, that would be a really cool experience, definitely. Like music and sound is absolutely... I think the most important thing to bring in as a healing modality in mushroom ceremony, it's really going to assist in moving the medicine. It's going to assist in people 
having somatic uh, experience. Yeah. And it's also a really powerful key for integration too. Like I always send my playlists out to people after because, you know, you can listen to a song that you haven't heard in 20 years and all of a sudden all the memories of what you were wearing, who you were friends with, the lyrics, yes. everything comes right back to you. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, music is really powerful in ceremony. It's a powerful integration key as well. Um but yeah, that was, that was a long-winded answer. <laughs> I know. Well, it's loaded. It's I mean, these questions are loaded. I have a question more so on my own selfish curiosity um, because I am someone who has worked with a lot of psychedelics, um, <laughs> some big giant ones, and I don't see. There are so many people that have imagery and visuals, and I don't see um sometimes I'll get little like still frames very dark and there's got to be some work on the third eye that I'm trying to kind of tap into through um lucid dreaming and some other some other things because I dream very vividly so it's not that I don't see all around but in psychedelic situations I feel a lot um I get information and maybe that's just my way but I'm curious if there are maybe other people that also don't have those same consistent because often when you speak to somebody who has experienced mushrooms whether recreational or ceremonially there there has been some visuals for them um and how often is it that people don't have that kind of a consistent experience I love that question. That's such a juicy question. Um, <laughs> I don't think I've ever been asked that before. It's definitely something that I think about and I, I talk about it in my course. Um, but yeah, that's, that's super valid and super interesting as well. Like for myself, I'm a, I'm a very visual person. Like I can have visuals right now just by doing some breath work and tapping into energy, Wild. Um, you know, but like, that's, that's just my, my way of experiencing. And that's also how I learn too, right. I'm a very visual person. Yeah. Um, and creative and creative artistic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's where, that's where I get the messages. Right. But sure. I mean, I mean, your gift, like, may be clairsentient you may be claircognizant um you know these are the gifts of just having intuition these are the gifts of knowing these are the gifts of receiving you know messages through your body through your mm -hmm. cells um by feeling and you know not everybody is going to be a visual like clairvoyant type not everybody is going to have that visual kickoff with the imagery um yeah, super interesting because definitely psychedelics do work on the visual receptors in the brain. Um, but you know what? Some people are going to feel it in a totally different way. Some people are going to hear messages. Some people are going to have audio hallucinations. Right. Some people may not hallucinate at all. Um, you know, and and you may have a breakthrough at some point too. Like I've worked um, before I started holding ceremony. I was doing a lot of one-on-one -on -one work just to get more comfortable in this space and. Um, I was working a lot with my brother and I'm sure he'd be okay with me sharing this, but <laughs> I was working a lot with my brother and uh, doing one-on-one -on -one work with him and his tolerance was just massively high. Like, wow. Okay. We did like a three gram journey, a four gram journey, you know, I'm lemon teching it. He's drinking it like the, the way it should hit really fast. I've got yes. MEIOs in there. Um, um, and he wouldn't feel anything. He, and this was like the same for him for a lot of psychedelics that he would be taking double the amount that I would be taking and I would be absolutely deep in the journey and right. he would be not feeling much. Um, so it didn't, it wasn't until I gave him like six or seven grams, which is the highest I'll serve right now. Um, That's a hero dose for anyone that doesn't 
Yeah. That's Although a... it wouldn't be for your brother. His hero dose might be like a lot higher than that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That it, everyone has such a different sensitivity, even with microdosing, which we can chat about as well. Um, but yeah, it wasn't until I hit six grams for him that he was able to actually like finally have a journey. Wow. Um, so for you, it may just be, you know, working with a different type of medicine, a different type of strain. I know you've worked with a ton of psychedelics, so maybe the visual experiences isn't where you need to put your focus in that space and you need to yeah. be tapping deeper into other layers of receiving your wisdom and mm -hmm. integrating it in that way. That's interesting. And that's actually validating because I think that sometimes um, you hear about, you know, like my husband and I have done some similar medicines and he comes back to me and he's like, I was in ancient Egypt and I was a gold being and I was in the pyramids and all of these things. And I'm like, what? I was like a hologram and everything was black. <laughs> what? You know? And so it's just so interesting because it's almost like, oh, like I'm not doing it right. Or, you know, I haven't, I haven't gone deep enough or whatever it is. But when we look at our um, developing intuitive gifts, he and I, he is an empath that literally feels everything. I can't have any type of a normal human experience without him knowing that I'm feeling something because he feels what I'm feeling. Whereas I know stuff and I know stuff about a lot of people and I, I need very little information. And I often am able to give messages to people um, or pick up on things that they're thinking. So maybe that that is that is all it is. And I need to give up this quest of needing to unlock the, the third eye and the visuals that come with it. Um, but you mentioned lemon teching and I wanted to touch briefly on that because I just had this experience with a girlfriend of mine. So lemon teching for anyone that doesn't know and tell me if I'm explaining this right is essentially using um, for you probably most likely organic lemon juice um, to <laughs> essentially start to activate like the the enzymes in the lemon start to activate the medicine so that you do get it working a little bit faster in the body is that right yeah definitely yeah so you're working with the beta glucans to um break down the enzymes and help with absorption okay uh, so usually when you're lemon checking the experience will come on quicker it will get you a little bit higher but it will be a shorter journey and it's kind of the same with the maios the maois sorry i always get that backwards in my head um so when you're working with things like rhodiola, macuna, chocolate, um, these are MAO inhibitors. Right. Um, so they they also potentiate the experience as well. So you can expect to feel more high if you're taking psilocybin with chocolate, um, like raw chocolate, of course, or dark chocolate. Um, so yeah, they put, they're really potentiators or catalysts. Um, so I don't work with any other herbs in ceremony usually just because I like to focus specifically on the medicine of the psilocybin, yeah. but, um, I do hack it and tech it a little bit with the yeah. lemon juice, honey, of course, makes the medicine go down and some yeah. ginger for digestion. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I love the ginger in there too. So, okay. My, my question is my friend and I did this emergent experience together she took the same and it was low, I think maybe a gram and a half. Um, for me, I'm incredibly sensitive. So like there was no way I was going anywhere very quickly at the end of that ceremony. And um, she didn't feel anything the whole time. And she was sort of wondering, well, you know, is it something to do with the way that I metabolize it? Or is it that the lemon teching almost robbed me of the experience or, you know, because it almost was like digested so fast that maybe she's also metabolizing it quickly. So we were trying to like, you know, dive into these theories. Like, is it some sort of like an enzyme inhibitor that she's got, or is she like your brother and needs to take a much higher dose? 
Yeah, there's no straight answer for that. And, um, you know, if you're talking to someone in the psychedelic space for like a one straight answer, it's like no one really knows. Yeah, yeah, we're (laughs) pioneering. Yeah, I mean, I, I listen to a lot of my mentors and I do a lot of research and like there's theories around, you know, the sensitivity and everything too. But um, there are some really interesting enzymes and I'm not going to get this right. I've listened to some podcasts and I've heard, um, I've had a client who's had this and he sent his, he sent uh, some blood work out to a pharma lab to test these specific enzymes. I'm not going to get them right. They're like, they're like CMZYK. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. With numbers so like, and letters and yes. Okay. Yeah. They're those types of enzymes. And I, I know specifically that working with cinnamon, both different types of cinnamon work on these five, there's five different enzyme inhibitors that allow it to potentiate and get a more psychedelic experience. So I always do ah. include cinnamon in my brews as well. That's um, cool. But there are certain people that have some of these enzymes that are more sensitive and can't metabolize things properly, and it can go either way. Um, so, for example, we had a client, or I had a client uh, who was microdosing uh, with Zoom Garden stuff, and he was using, you know, I think the lowest dose uh, for his microdosing protocol. And he came back and said he absolutely was so high, he couldn't handle it. Like he. Wow. Yeah, he was just like way too sensitive. And it was on like, I'm a pretty sensitive person. So like 100 milligram dose, which is quite small for most people is like enough for me to be good. Um, and I'm the same. Okay. I'm the same with like, uh, you know, doing a macro dose too. And so he was taking 100 milligram doses. And he was like, he couldn't work. He had to lay on the couch. He was like completely, you know, uh, out for lunch that day. Um, and so he went and got some blood work done because he's been struggling to get off of like antidepressants and things like that. Um, got some blood work done and sent back to us that he had specific enzymes, these same ones that I've mentioned that were not metabolizing it properly and his body couldn't metabolize psilocybin. So for him, it just like was a a negative reaction, adverse reaction. Um, and you know, I think this is, is rare, um, because he's struggling with some other issues as well, but right. it, it could definitely be something on an enzymatic level for people where they're not feeling it, um, where they need to take more. Um, yeah, there's also some really interesting theories around people being like very intellectual and having higher IQs that they won't feel much from psychedelics. So it takes them a longer time to get there. And if I relay that theory to my brother, he, <laughs> I think he loves that would it, be- I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> intellectual being. So yes, for sure. Oh, that's so crazy. Okay. Well, what else do you want to leave with us when, in terms of like microdosing and, you know, how one might get started? Um, anything else that you want to spill into the space? Oh my gosh. Open-ended questions. Dangerous. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> how much time do you have? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we could, we could obviously keep chatting forever and ever and ever. So definitely down. We can do a part two as well. Yeah. Yeah. Let's definitely do that. Sounds good. Um, yeah, I love connecting with people, you know, my, my gifts and my pillars in my path and purpose in this life is really to build community, to network, to connect other people to people, to connect people to the plants. Um, it's, it's a really funny purpose for me because I'm, a bit huge introvert, but uh, I so do interesting. Love- I would never I really consider you to be that because you have like literally fulfilled that role in our little kind of blip in time together in Calgary. So that's interesting. I wouldn't consider you an introvert. I know, right? It's weird. I, I'm the type of person who has to challenge myself. So I'm like, yeah, I'm scared of public speaking. So let's go stand in front of 600 women and talk about microdosing. Yeah, I love let's it. Do that. I love it. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, I would, first of all, love to offer any Canadian listeners out there if they are interested in doing some microdosing. Um, we have a free consultation um, through Zoom Garden. So you can either find us on Instagram at Zoom Garden, Z-U-M-G-A-R-D-E-N. Um, or you can follow me and listen in or listen in check in on well my... you talk you talk sometimes yeah, exactly. and I can link that I'll link your handle and zoom garden and I'll put my um my discount code in there as well for anybody that's interested in in kind of trialing but I think that's a really cool option to get that one-on-one support yeah definitely yeah I was gonna say use your uh, discount code because you're one of our one of the amazing ambassadors at zoom garden so um yeah uh and then if anybody else is curious about learning um how to become a psychedelic facilitator and a bit more about my mentorship program um check in with my my instagram handle there that you've got going on and then if you are interested in ceremony and talking a little bit more about that work too um we have a really beautiful space that we are using now um an amazing community of vertically integrated space holders and facilitators so so cool. um, yeah definitely many ways to reach out and connect with me um I might need to come back to Calgary so that I can sit in ceremony with you. Yes. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Colin's planning a trip for at some point, either this year or next year. So I'm like, can I come and I'll just do fun things while you do whatever it is you're doing? (laughs) Totally. Yeah, we can collaborate as well, of course, all about those collaborations. Um, And then, yeah, I think the other two shout outs that I'll do is I I will be at two different festivals this summer. So in July, I'll be at Wild Roses Festival up north of Edmonton. And then I will be um, at, what is the other one called? Earth Daughters Festival out in Fairmont, Redium area. So um, that's BC isn't it yeah it is bc yeah it's about three hours away from calgary so those are women focused festivals so definitely some really beautiful experiences available for you there um but yeah other than that i think um that's that's what i got for you for part one today (laughs) awesome we'll cap it there thank you so much for uh taking the time to connect it's so nice to see your face as we chat on zoom here it's as close to in person as we'll get (laughs) for a while (laughs) so good to see you um thank you everyone for listening in i'm going to link some of those things in the show notes um and please like follow follow along with jen's journey follow along with zoom garden and if you have questions at all you now know that there is a wealth of resources for you to have those questions answered Um, And also don't be afraid to trust the wisdom of your body. And that's where play comes into it, you know? Um, And I think one of the things I've been loving right now from Zoom Garden is the micro milk because it is that you can control the dose. Not that you can't, you could take a capsule and and cut it in half, but I like the scoops. You can control the dose. It's only a hundred grams, which is pretty safe for most people to get started. hundred milligrams. um, Sorry, I keep saying that. Yes. (laughs) I always want to say micrograms. Is it milligrams or micrograms? It's milligrams. Milligrams? Okay, cool. Yeah. So it's not, it's not a robust dose, um, but you also can control the scoop. You could start with a little bit and just see how it interacts with your body. And what I find so interesting personally, like I had a moment not too long ago, I've been feeling a little bit like in a funk with the winter and like just low energy. And I'm realizing that that's also, it's the season for hibernating and it's okay that I don't feel super energetic right now, but I had taken my micro milk and um, I had at some point through the day, I'm like, huh, you know, I feel great. Maybe I'm coming out of my funk. And then my husband's like, didn't you take your micro milk this morning? I'm like, oh yeah. Like, so that's what I mean when I say to people, you're not going to feel like you can't participate in life. Like, I just feel like I can, I'm like nailing it. I'm like, oh yeah, that's what it feels like to be supported. I'm supported right now. That's what I'm feeling. And I need the support and it's okay to need that, that support and to be able to, you know, 
play with where you're getting it from with, you know, this wealth of, um, you know, we're in a time and age and a space where we have access to a lot of things. And so when we can access these things with as much integrity and as much um, wisdom as possible, it's great. So I love, I love the information that you shared with us today, Jen, and I cannot wait to connect with you again for a part two. Thanks so much for listening and uh, we'll see you again next time.